God's people are the most wonderful people on the face of the earth. Now, I'm not being flattering here, but I'm just telling you the truth. Loved of God and his spirit is in his people. We are the kingdom of God on earth. The Bible says that kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And uh, we are in him, him is, and he is in us. He is in us by the spirit. We are in him in baptism in his name. And uh, God loves his people. And he uh, wants us to love each other and to be concerned about each other and to look after each other in a very special and different way than what the world does. It is by that that the world sees a difference between the church and the world, that we have a love one for another. The Spirit of God in us is what gives us the love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, shed abroad in our hearts, so that it'll make us love people that we once didn't love. It'll help us to be patient, long-suffering, kind, gentle, toward, and this, those are fruits of the Spirit. Those, those things all come with the Spirit of God. It'll help us to do that and be all of that. And in Paul's writings here today, he deals with some legal issues and some logical issues, but at the same time, in a balance of being concerned about how the other person feels. So I want you to just stay with me on this. We're starting here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm reading the very first verse, if you'll turn there with us. He says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, things offered unto idols, sound like it has nothing to do with what I just said, but it has everything to do with what I just said. As touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puppeth up, but charity edifieth. Charity is the love of God. So all of a sudden here, he talks about having knowledge this connected with the idols here. And then he goes on to say, but charity edifies, so the love of God overrides some things here he's going to talk about. Some legal aspects, some logical aspects, things that we know, and so forth. So he goes on to say what he, what he intended to say here by, in verse 2. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. What's he talking about knowing? And it's all brought out here starting in verse 4. And I'm going to read this down to you. This is what he's talking about. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, things offered unto sacrifice unto idols, these are things in the marketplace, if in, in, not so much today, but in, and it's going to be applicable to us today, but, it, but it's in the Bible here, speaking of idols and meats offered to idols, we don't see that here. Now, in India, they have that, and Asia, all over Asia, they do. I've been in Asia, and I've seen these very things there, all the idols and the Buddha, Buddhism and so forth, where they actually offer certain meats and so forth to idols. And Paul is talking about that. We don't see that in America so much, but the principle is here. And I want you to stay with me on the principle side of it here. He said, as concerning, therefore, the things of the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. He's talking about the marketplace here. If you go to the marketplace and they say, here's some fine beef, you're good. Oh, this right here is, is especially 
prepared to be offered for sacrifice to idols or to an idol of such and such. Uh, if this sounds strange to you, uh, we have that even today in a, in a measure. How many of you know what kosher meat is? You know what kosher meat? We all know that's meat the Jews eat. Why is kosher meat different than the other kind of meat? You say, well, there's no pork involved. It's true. There's no anything like rabbit or there's no lobster and there's no shrimp. You know, they don't eat those things. And everything, they eat beef and they eat mutton and they eat, uh, you, know, so, you know, and other animals and so forth. Uh, I'm just pointing that out to you because kosher meat is not only those kind of meats, but they're also meats that has been bled by the rabbi. This sounds strange to us, but when an animal is killed, the rabbi kills the animal and bleeds the animal sufficiently for Jewish so that no blood is left in the meat. That sounds gruesome, but this is what kosher meat's all about. So they said, here's beef, but this is kosher beef. You know, okay, we all know that beef comes from, from cattle, but this is kosher beef. That's because that the rabbi has killed that beef and that it is bled properly for Jews to eat. And this is speaking primarily to the Orthodox Jews who are real strict to these kind of things. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? So back in those days, if they had gone to a meat market, they said, this meat here is not how it was bled or whatever it was. It might have had some blessing on it or something sprinkled on it or some, some, uh, some witch doctor doing something to it. I don't know what. But anyhow, this is regular meat. This over here is, uh, is meat offered. And in the public marketplace, you had, a, you had all these kind of things. Now, here's what Paul says to the Christian church. He goes on to say, I'm going to read this in fourth verse. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. That's like in the marketplace, you buy them. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and there is none other god but one this is the knowledge that you and i have you know and this is why the idolatry doesn't mean anything to me uh i have a dry cleaners i go in they got a big old statue of buddha there these are people from asia <laughs> somebody I, the woman said no i don't believe in buddhism but i do it to honor my grandmother you know and everything and so anyhow there's a dry cleaner they got a big statue of buddha there all right so i'm just giving you that stuff exists so it says here, as concerning, therefore, verse 4 again, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. We know that. That's our knowledge. We have a knowledge of that. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or earth, as there be many gods and lords many, we know that all that exists. Verse 6 but to us, if you've got a, your Bible and you've got a, a, a pen there, right, underline to us. But to us, there is but one God, the Father of all things, uh, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Now, what he's pointing out here, here, these verses of Scripture, is simply saying that we know that if you go to a marketplace, they say this is meat that's offered idols, this is not meat offered idols. It doesn't make any difference to us. Meat is meat, you know. It, you know, whether this had some kind of a blessing on it, it, you know, don't even worry yourself about it. But it goes a little bit further than that. And this is where we come into this thing about how does it affect our brothers and sisters. Now, listen to me closely on this because we are not beyond this area. Everybody stay with me. Look at the eighth verse down here. 
I'm, I'm skipping a few verses just to save time to stay with the basic subject thoughts here. It says, but meat commendeth us not to God. Meat's not going to affect us whether we, you know, they help us to come to God or not come to God. Meat commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. It's not going to affect it. But, see the word but? Put a ring around that. But take heed, lest by means this liberty of yours to eat anything in the world that you want to eat, okay, becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. So it goes on to say here, it, it doesn't matter whether this, they say this meat is, is designed to be offered unto idols and this meat is not. It's all the same thing. It all comes from the same packing house or the butcher or whatever it is. Except this one maybe has had a blessing on it, that one hat and all that kind of stuff. It, 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 is, it doesn't have any bearing. Meat is just meat. And it's not going to have any effect. But, but he says, it becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Verse 10, for if a man see thee, thee which has knowledge, that is, you know that God is only one and idols mean nothing. He that hath knowledge sit at meat in the, the temples, the idols temple. Now, if you decide, oh, well, it doesn't matter whether I eat it, buy it in the marketplace or I go to the idols temple and sit and eat it. You know, they, this is where it gets to be a, a difference there. He goes on to say here. Idle temperance shall not the, the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. So the guy that's weak and he's still coming out of idolatry and he sees it, then he says, well, I guess it's still okay to offer and, and to uh, eat meat offered to idols. And he's thinking that's all to idols and that's part of the worship and that's all okay. So he's talking about how that this can be a problem. Verse 12. But when you sin, when you sin, so against the brethren, that's sinning against the brethren to take your liberty in the face of those who are weak with these liberties. He says, uh, but when you sin against the brethren and would there and and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth. This is Paul talking now. I won't eat if it's going to offend my brother, lest I make my brother to offend. And what he's talking about here, if it's an offense to the brother, it becomes an offense to God. It becomes offense to Christ. And therefore, even though we are at liberty to do certain things, it becomes a problem to him. Now, let me just, uh, well, let me read another verse. If, if you're in your Bible there, turn over chapter 10 for a moment. This is picked up again by Paul over here in chapter 10. I'll elaborate a little bit more before I start giving examples of where we are today and how these things can apply to our lives. Everybody still with me? Okay, chapter 10. I'm going to jump very quickly here to 7, verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them. He's talking about children of Israel coming out of Egypt and how some of them fell into idolatry on the way out. Verse 14, he picks that same thought back up. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. He's talking about then, so we're talking about idolatry here uh, from the 14th verse on in this 10th chapter. And Paul sort of picks up where he le leaves off over in chapter 8. Look at verse 19. I'm looking here now at 10, 19. 1 Corinthians 10, 19. What say I then that the idol is anything? Or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything. 
But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Now he's talking about eating this actual meat that's sacrificed when it's sacrificed in the temple of God. In the temple, I mean, of, of, of Buddha, let's say Buddha. They sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. Everybody say communion. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot partake of the Lord's table, communion, and of the table of devils. So the Lord is saying here, there's some things, and he's talking to his period of time, some things you just stay away from, not because that you're doing anything necessarily wrong, is how it can look. Now let me give you an example of that. Let's suppose a guy... Uh, and you know, a guy, he's working at a business place or he's working at a shop or someplace. Right down the road, not close by, is, 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 is Joe's bar and is Joe's bar. I mean, it's a bar place, really heavy-duty bar. It's not just a bar and grill, it's just a bar. And in there, they got, you know, a good Reuben sandwich he likes, maybe, you know. So he goes in there and he eats lunch and he drinks a root beer. You know, well, is anything wrong with drink, eating a Reuben sandwich? No. Anything wrong with the root beer? No. But the environment that he's in, it, you know, it, it's just not quite conducive. It's not the right place. And so he goes there every day, every day. Well, one of his brothers one day maybe comes by and sees him in there. And he said, what's that brother doing in there? I thought we didn't go into these kind of places. You know, I don't think, I didn't think we drank liquor and hard liquor and whiskey and beer and all that kind of stuff. And so it becomes a stumbling block to him. Or worse than that, maybe it's somebody who has come out of those places and they're battling or they have battled or they put it behind them, the drinking of whiskey. We've got people in here used to be, be alcoholics. God saved them. Thank God. Thank God for that. I guarantee you when the God saved them out of it, they said, I don't ever want to darken another bar in the rest of my life. You see what I'm saying? And now they are still battling that. And they see somebody that is like you and me. I, I, I have no, I have no liquor bottle. I never, I never drink. I mean, you know, I never, I never Never drink that stuff. I got saved at 16 years old, so it wasn't a whole lot of stuff I could have gotten into in that fashion. I never did drugs. I never did alcohol. And, you know, I never smoked cigarettes. I, none of that stuff's a temptation to me, you know, and to you. Many of you are like that. But some of us have come out of all kinds of background. So we have to be sensitive to where our brothers and sisters may have come from and not to always just take our liberty to be and do and go and all that and all of that if it's an offense to our brothers or to our sisters, you know. And you don't always know if it's going to be an offense because you don't know what someone's background might have been. You see, and this is the beauty of the Church of the Living God. We are from all kinds of backgrounds. And that's a beautiful thing. But we're saved by the wonderful love of God, by the grace of God, by His goodness and mercy. But God wants us to be sensitive about each other and about our situations and our backgrounds and our circumstances and not just take our liberties. Oh, well, you know, I can go in any bar I want to because whiskey is doesn't no temptation to me. I ain't, you know, it ain't going to be a problem. I'll belly up to the bar and everything, sit right next to the whiskey drinkers and eat my ham sandwich and, you know, and, and, uh, 
and and uh, and just just drink my root beer or my glass of tea or or my diet coke or whatever I want to and be out the door and there's no problem to me no but it, it could be a problem to somebody else and this is where the sin comes and this is what Paul is trying to tell that Corinthian church you may know that there's no other God but one there is no idol nothing to idols it's just all a bunch of old just wooden statues uh, concrete statues or clay statues whatever they're made of doesn't mean anything to you and all that stuff that they do and they honor and worship and offer meats and all that stuff that doesn't mean anything in the world but we have to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters and by being sensitive we show forth a brotherly love that's why Paul in the very beginning of that eighth chapter he says that you can have knowledge of a lot of things but he says charity overrides everything charity is the love of God so I'm just pointing out to you here today that while all things are lawful, that Paul says this about two or three times in his epistles, all things may be lawful, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, they're legal, they're okay, but all things are not expedient. They do not help the cause. They don't help the cause. I may have the liberty to do a lot of things, and so this and that. I'm not talking about sin now. I'm not talking about liberty to sin. I'm talking about, you know, things that's offense to somebody else. Just that borderline kind of stuff that any of us can be in, you know. You know, be careful. You know, you may say, well, I want to go to a horse race so I can, so I can watch the horses run. I like horse racing, you know. I'm not going to gamble, but everybody else that goes there gambles, you know what I mean? What do you, you know, I used to live blocks from high lid down in Miami when I was a boy. I grew up down there. And I used to live just within a few blocks of, of high lid, you know, racetrack, you know. And I used to hear all that stuff going on all the time. There's people come there and they gamble. Some of them live in a poor house. They're poor. Some of them, I, there has actually been people that have, you know, they, they threw away everything they ever had because they gambled on those horses. You may say, well, I just want to see the horses run. I just like horse racing. Yeah, but you see the environment that I'm talking about? You know, it's, it's what I'm talking about. I, I know people who like to go to Las Vegas. They like to go out to Las Vegas. They said, oh, you get a lot of good meals, free meals. You get big meals and don't have to pay much. And all you do is walk around the casino, show up down there. You don't have to play anything. Just be there. Well, they do that because they know sooner or later you're going to try something. Somebody said, hey, this is about to pay off right here. <laughs> they say, well, I think I'll pay. And all you got to do is hit it one time. You're hooked. You're hooked. Then you're, you're, you're hooked on gambling. You think this thing, you know, next thing you know, you're a gambler. And then you become addicted to that. You understand what I'm saying, trying to say here? So there's some things we say, or what if somebody is trying to live for God, but they fell off the wagon somewhere. They see you, you know, wandering around. They, well, here's the wonderful saint of God. They're doing this and they're here and they're in this kind of environment. Then uh, it must be all right. So what I'm just trying to say here, folks, that these are things, that's why Paul said all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. This is why I'm trying to say here to us, there's some things we just have to be wise about. And as long as I'm concerned about my brother and sister, and I'm concerned about their welfare, their well-being, and their circumstance of life, where they've come from, what they're battling with, what they're going through, as long as I understand that there are people are, I don't just take my liberty lightly. But I say, God, I want to always do things that is honorable to God, respectful to the Lord, and that you will always keep your hand on us. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to move on here a little bit further here. 
because uh, I think it's important for us to understand here that the eating of meats here can also spill over into those who feel like that we are to not eat all the meats that are condemned in the Old Testament. Uh, this is going to surprise a lot of you. You remember the Bible in the New Testament where it says that, uh, that John the Baptist came uh, dressed in uh, camel skin and eating wild locusts? Huh? You know, locusts like a grasshopper, right? And he's eating locusts? Did you know in the Old Testament that was, a, that was an okay food? I can show you the scripture where it was. I'm not going to do it now. It doesn't take up time here. But it's in there, trust me. It also says grasshoppers. Anything with his legs above his head was okay to eat. We had a brother in our church, a Mexican brother. Uh, God love him. And uh, he, one day he had a bag of, it looked like chips or something in the bag he's eating. And I said, what you got in there, Jose? He said, he said, grasshoppers. I said, grasshoppers? No, you're good. I looked in there. Sure enough, they were all French fried grasshoppers. I mean, they were... <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you folks know. Okay, I see some hands. Yeah, it's true. He said, you want some? I said, no, thank you. <laughs> but in the Old Testament, that was okay. But many of you had bacon for breakfast this morning. I don't, I don't many of Some of you had bacon for breakfast. But in the Old Testament, you know, pork was condemned. It's condemned. A lot of foods that we eat is condemned. I know some of you would just love to have a lobster dinner today. But lobster was condemned in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Shrimp. I didn't name some of you, you know, those things, you know. And it goes on all those things, but yet grasshopper and locusts are, was an okay thing. So what I'm trying to point out to you here is that the Old Testament had what they would call clean foods or okay foods. And then they had foods that was not okay. And so this is in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament times, all things came under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why... When Peter, on the, on the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, was up on his housetop and the Lord gave him a vision. He saw this big sheet come down, all these animals on there and the Lord. And it was, it was noon, it was, I think, noontime and it was time to eat. And, uh, and, and, and he was getting hungry, uh, Peter was. And the Lord said to him, Peter, slay and eat. He said, no, not so, Lord. Not, not what I'm looking at here. He said, these animals, he said, I've never touched any of this. I've never done this in my life and wouldn't even think about slaying and eating. He said... Don't call anything I've made unclean. Don't call anything I've made unclean. And everything, he took the sheet back up. This came down again the second time. Peter slayed eat. No, no, Lord. You know, I don't do that. I don't eat just anything. Because I'm under the law. This is Peter now in the New Testament. Peter, James, and John, you know, walked with Jesus. And uh, this is after Jesus had ascended. And this is in the dispensation now of grace. Dispensation now of the New Testament. And three times it came down and he said, no. And then he said, there's going to be somebody coming to the door and knocking and you go with him and preach the gospel. And so the knock came to the door, man came there and said, I'm from Cornelius. He's a Gentile centurion down in Caesarea. I mean, down in Joppa. And he wants you to come with me. Uh, no, up in Caesarea was. And come with me. And uh, he wants to know what he's got to do to be saved. So Peter and a handful of other uh, Jews went with them there. And Peter preached to them Jesus Christ. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell. They all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. And the other Jews scratching their heads said, how can this be? These are Gentiles. And Peter said, I'm telling you, I had that vision. You know, so not only could we eat meats, but also God was going to open the door for Gentiles, which meant 
that when God opened the door for anyone in the world to be saved, people all over the world eat different type foods. And the Lord took that off. In other words, you can eat whatever you want to eat, whatever you can eat, whatever it's available. Whatever, whatever is in your land, whatever's in your ocean, whatever's in your sea, whatever is in your backyard growing. You know, it's not always a cow or a sheep or a goat, you know. Uh, it, you know, it could be a lot of other things, you know. So what I'm trying to say here is that the Lord made that available. But there are still people who say, no, we got to save that Old Testament law. There's certain meats that we cannot eat, certain things we can't eat. We have to stay away from it. Now, let me deal with that for just a moment. Will you give me the liberty to do that? Let me show you a few scriptures here. Uh, I want you to go to Romans 14, 2. Romans 14, 2. And I'm going to just talk to you for a few minutes uh, on this particular subject. Romans 14, 2. And this is concerning meats here. Romans 14, 2. For one believeth that he may eat all things, that's like you and me, anything. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Anybody like horse? Anybody ever, ever eat horse? Horse meat? Sure. I see several hands. There's people eating horse meat. I wouldn't think about eating horse meat. <laughs> In France, they eat horse meat. Parts of Europe, they eat horse meat. How many of you like dog? I was in Malaysia. I said, the guy, we were eating lunch. We were ordering lunch. And I said, that guy's got a bowl of stew over there to the waiter. What is that? He's speaking English to us. We were in Malaysia. I said, what is that? He says, it's Dioji. Anybody know what Dioji is? That's Dioji stew. D-O-G, what is D-O-G? D-O-G, 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 D-O-G. <laughs> you get Everybody get that? D-O-G, dog. That's doji. Okay, that's what I don't want, yeah. I just want to know what I don't want. But in Asia, they read dog, eat dog. One of our missionaries <laughs> one time went to one, one place, and they were staying with some of the native people, and they said, now, we have to go in other parts of Asia, but we'll come back through here before we fly back to the States. Well, we got our little poodle here, and we, can we leave him here with you? Yeah, fine. And, but the, the language barrier was a little bit difficult between them. And when they came back, they had eaten the dog. They thought they had given them the dog as a gift for them to enjoy. So they'd eaten the dog. Are you with me here? I'm just saying that, you know, there's a lot of things about the food here. Now, the Bible says here, I'm going to go back to this Romans 14, 2. For one believer that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Verse 5, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. This is what we do. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Verse 6, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. This is talking about people who keep Saturday as the, as, as the uh, Sabbath and, and as the Sabbath means rest day. But they also keep it as day of worship. It goes on to say here in verse 6, he that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day unto the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. He that eateth 
God giveth thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. In other words, it doesn't matter. Verse 7, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth unto himself. So you have somewhat the same principle here. But he, he's saying here that, you know, we're at liberty to eat whatever we wish to eat. Just, just you know, make sure that you do it uh, as unto the Lord and so forth. I'm turning over here to Romans. I'm still in 14. And look at verse 14. This is very interesting. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Verse 17. For the, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not meat and drink. It's not the meats you eat and what you drink and how you drink and all that kind of stuff. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 20, for meat destroy not the work of God. So what he's pointing out here is simply that uh, we follow these things and we know that meats is not going to be the thing uh, that we have to say we can't eat certain meats and still be a Christian. If somebody says, you know, I don't eat certain meats and everything, uh, okay, fine, then we'll go have... Leonard, what can you eat? I eat? You like hamburger? Yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat a hamburger with you. You know what I'm saying? We just sort of under, try to understand another person's position. There are Pentecostals. There are Pentecostals who still believe they don't do not eat. They do not eat pork. You know, they don't eat certain meats. They try to hold to that Old Testament law. They're Pentecostal. And uh, I don't know of any uh, in our area here, but I have known them I, years ago. I was up in the Midwest and. My wife and I evangelized for two years up in that part of the part of America, and uh, we came across different Pentecostals had different little beliefs like that. Fine, that's all right. And uh, even if they want to worship on Saturday, not on Sunday, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, we'll have church on Saturday, and we'll go fishing on Sunday. You know, it's all right. But I'm just trying to say here, praise the Lord, that there has to be an understanding with that we've got to love each other more than anything else. And that's the main thing that Paul is trying to bring out. Uh, I'm reading here in Colossians 2.16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days. Verse 17 says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And Paul was simply trying to say here that these things in the Old Testament were a shadow of something better that was coming. Now we are in that which is better. But some people still want to hold to the old things and everything. So he brings all that out. I'll read one other verse of scripture here to you that's found in 1 Timothy. And uh, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. He's talking about things in the last day. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1, then read verse 3. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to spirits and doctrines of devils, so forth. Then it says in verse 3, forbidding to marry the celibacy. Now that did happen. That was uh, people that came along and said, We're Christians, but we do not believe in people getting married and everything. That's, uh, that's how the priesthood and I won't go into all that, but that's how all that became established. That's back, you can read about it in church history. 325 A.D. at the Nicene Council all developed. Uh, I'm going to finish reading this verse of scripture here without getting into church history here. And I don't want to say anything negative about any religion or anything or any faith. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. 
which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now, here's a policy you can always use, and I pray this every time I eat my meals. Verse 4, if it's nothing but macaroni and cheese, I pray, I pray this prayer. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And that's why we pray. You pray, praise the Lord. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm thinking about something funny. We pray, praise the Lord, to sanctify the food that God would sanctify it. Amen. Pray also while you're at it to pray that there be no germs or anything in it. You know, God will let. And then I'm laughing at this one that I'm fixing to say here. I, I know some people that pray that God will cast out the calories. <laughs> cast the calories out. That won't work. That would. But do pray that God will sanctify it. And there's scripture here for it. So when we pray, amen, it's not just saying, Lord, bless the food. Thank you for the food. But it's also saying, God, sanctify the food. So whatever it is, whatever you might eat, you know, if you're going to eat some shrimp or I mean, if you're going to eat some snails or whatever it is, you know, just say, you know, just say, God, sanctify it. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for God's great truth? God loves his people. And this is, uh, folks, this is why I'm talking about it. God loves his church and he wants, and Paul wants us to have that same spirit of God in us that we love each other, that whatever each other's is badly, we're going to be your friend. We're going to be on your side. We'll be supportive and we'll try to help each other through every difficulty, every situation. You know, so some folks come out of all kind of mess. They come out of alcoholism and they battle that stuff. Some people battle the cigarette habit. Some people battle a drug addiction. And this thing of porno, oh my God, that stuff, guys, if there's any guy in here that's halfway even, that's, that's, that's fornication. That's like what the Bible condemns. Get out of that stuff. Get out of that mess. I mean, run from it. Flee from it. The Bible says flee fornication. That's part of it. Flee from it. Get out of that stuff. I'm just trying to say here that God wants us to overcome, praise the Lord. And so the rest of us here that's just trying to make everything where a person can battle those things, God bless you for the efforts that you make to help others to get, they can struggle and get through some things. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's one thing against hard sins. And when we're talking other things, it's just little, little shallow things. And that's what we're into right here, right now. I'm going to go a little further here. Uh, I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Look at this verse. This is going to, I'm sort of changing the script a little bit here. Look at chapter 8. We're back in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. This is not the verse I want. Let me find it. Hang on a second. 8.6. Now these things were, we, were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. That's not the verse I want. Uh, look at verse... Uh, no wonder I'm in the wrong chapter, folks. I'm sorry. I am in the wrong chapter. Paul said the first mistake he ever made, he thought he had made a mistake one time, but afterwards he realized he was mistaken. <laughs> All right, I'll leave that for what it's worth. Look at uh, 8 and uh, verse 6, yes. 
8, 6, in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. This is the verse I want. But to us, there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Let me explain this thing a little bit to you. Let me give you a few other verses to go with it. Uh, while you're there looking at there, look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. This is a little bit of the same type of a language here that's used in Colossians. Colossians 1, 14. And uh, verse, I'm going to read 14 down. 16 is where I want to go, but I'm going to read 14. In whom, Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, Jesus Christ, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, the image of the invisible God. Verse 16, for by him were all things created. Jesus. Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus was born of Mary. By, all things were made by him. All things were made by him. He created all things that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and visible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, let me just say one thing here. Jesus Christ was the pattern. Everything was made by him. God first in his, in the, in the Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the word. The word means logos. Logos means the spoken word of God. It also means the, uh, the thoughts of God. It also means the plan of God. It doesn't have to be spoken. It's just the word of God. It can be the wisdom of God, uh, the logos. And so in the beginning was the word. Word is logos. This comes from the Greek word logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And, uh, and turn over to that scripture for just a moment. John 1.1. 1, 1. And uh, let me find it here. I'm going to read 1 and 2 and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse uh, 10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. Now, how is it that the world was made by Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is born of Mary? It was made by Him as a pattern. In other words, God designed everything in the world and universe by Jesus Christ as a pattern. Just stay with me on this. This is why the Bible talks so much about this. He is the image of the invisible God. The God said, let us make man in our image. God is a spirit. What is the image of God? God is a spirit. If God had made, if God had made man after the image that he was back then, we would have been made a spirit, not flesh and blood. But that was an image. Let us make man after our image. That is also in Hebrews chapter 1, to one verse, chapter 1, verse 3. And, and also in Colossians here. And also in John. That Jesus Christ was the image of the invisible God. I'm pointing all that out to you to let you know here that God used Jesus Christ that would come. In God's divine plan, he first made Jesus Christ. 
That's why it talks about the book of wisdom. You can sometimes go into the book of Proverbs. There's a whole chapter about wisdom. I was with God in the beginning. That's all about God's plan. And it was referring to Jesus Christ, who was the very first creation of God. And all things were made by him as the pattern. That's why we have air we can breathe. And then it says in, in, in Romans 5.14, I don't have time to go to all that. I, we're running out of time. But in 5.14, it says that Adam was made in the image of him who was yet to come. So God made Adam in the image of Jesus Christ who was yet to come. When God said, let us make man in our image, he was referring to the coming of Jesus Christ. Let us make man in our image. Our image was Jesus Christ who was yet to come. He was looking forward for that because with God, time is nothing. He sees the beginning. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning to the end. You know, to us, time is everything. To him, time is nothing. So to him, he, Jesus Christ was his first creature, his first creation, I should say. And he made Jesus Christ in his creation, in his thoughts, in his plans, in his divine pattern. And then everything else was made by Jesus Christ. Do you understand? This is a little bit of a deep subject, and I know that this is a little bit, but I'm just telling you, if we don't understand this, a lot of scriptures don't quite make sense to us. How can things be made, you know, you know, for him and by him, you know? Well, also Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh when he came. So all things were made by him as the creator, and all things were made by him as the pattern of his creation, and all things were made for him for Jesus Christ because it was made for Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus. It was also made for man, praise the Lord, because we are then the image of Jesus Christ. So that everything is, is balanced right. You think about the earth. The earth is in perfect har harmony with, with mankind. The air we breathe is the right stuff we breathe. The food we eat comes out of the ground. The water that we drink comes out of the, comes out of the water. You know, it comes out of the ground. You know, it's all purified. God has a way of purifying it all. Uh, the temperatures, you know, everything. The extreme north, extreme south pole, north pole is very cold. In the middle, there's a place that we can all exist. So you understand what I'm trying to point out to you here. All things were made by him and all things were made for him. Praise the Lord. And it says all things in that scripture says that they were made of God. I'm going to finish reading this Colossians uh, 1 16 here for by him were all things created verse 16 that are in heaven that are in earth visible and men's visible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were made or created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist so both as God and also as the pattern of God amen it was all uh that way then to set up and establish that you and I might know the mighty God. So what I'm simply here is just leaving some things here with you here about the wonderful truth of God and uh, how the God is all things. Turn to Isaiah 44, 24 with me for a moment. Isaiah 44, 24. We're talking about the creator now. So when you read here in uh, these scriptures here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, if I can, while you're turning to 44, let me just read this again. But to us, there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things. This is not talking about two people here. Look over here in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. 44, 24, Isaiah. 
Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee. This is talking about Jehovah God of the Old Testament. Thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters is referring to the I am, which is Yahweh or Jehovah. It depends on what language you bring that, word, that name through, depending on what, language, what, what, what uh, name of God would be. Let's call him, let's call him here Yahweh. Uh, thus said the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Yahweh that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Look at verse 5. I am the Lord, there is none else, there is no God beside me. Verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Look at verse 12, 45, I mean, 45, 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. This is God, Jehovah God in the Old Testament says, I'm the great I am. There's none beside me and everything. So where does that put Jesus? Jesus is God. This is the whole point. Jesus is God Almighty. So that the man Christ Jesus was the pattern of God way back in the very beginning. And if you say, Brother Myers, that's too deep for me, that's okay. I mean, that's all right. I'm going to tell you what, folks. God is greater than our little pea brains a lot of time. Believe me. It is. And let me read one other verse of scripture to you here. I'm looking here in uh, 45 and 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established and created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So God in the Old Testament says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only. And then on the New Testament, it says Jesus Christ. All things were made by him. How? First of all, he's the pattern. Second of all, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Don't you love the truth? Don't you love the word of God? When God's word is understood... It flows together just like this. It all harmonizes perfectly. God's word is beautiful. Greatest thing on the face of the earth. Let's stand, give God the praise and worship and glorify his name. God bless you. You've been a great audience here this morning. Amen. Let's lift our voices and praise God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name. Thank you, Lord, for our wonderful time together here this morning.